The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you for the next 30 minutes having an open, frank, honest conversation about gambling addiction. Joining us as always, my main man, Dan Trelaro from Epic Risk Management. Danny, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, Craig. Good morning. How are you today? Doing great and happy to have all the way from North Dakota, our friend Steve, who is also a gambler in recovery. Steve, good morning. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well, sir. Thank you. Good. Welcome so, to North Dakota. <laughs> yeah, your story is interesting because uh, I understand you were in recovery for a long time and then when online casino games uh, came back uh, into the mainstream, you uh, you went down that road again. How long has it been since your last wager? I I was on the uh, uh, YouTube playing the games uh, eight years ago in October, October first. So it's been eight years since I had that gaming experience. And uh, Dan has been out here and spoken to us in Fargo, North Dakota, and it reminded me of that experience. And I had a chance to chat with him after after his presentation, and uh, we talked about it. And um, it's been eight years, but it was just like gambling. So I had to go to my sponsor, and I had to uh, be honest about uh, my experience. And it uh, it felt so similar to gambling yeah. that, uh, that I changed my date. Got it. So what is the uh, so it's, what is the date? October 1st of 2014. Well, congratulations on that. that. That's nothing not to be very proud of. So proud of you, and I'm glad you shared it. If you don't mind going back in time, when do you remember uh, gambling first becoming a part of your life? Okay, that goes good. Uh, a good question. Uh, I, I spoke with uh, Dan about that as well. We, we talked about the uh, whole uh, feeling of dopamine in your system. And I had to go up and talk to him after his presentation and talk about way back when I was 11 or 12 years old in uh, the fifth grade, grade five, and playing marbles. And mm. some people don't even know what marbles are anymore, but <laughs> the, the chase. And uh, I lost a three-pound coffee can of marbles to my best friend. <laughs> and, and it reminded me so much of that chase in the gambling sure. scene that, uh, that, that that's what I call my first gambling experience. But um, the casino-type slot machine gambling was, as an adult, in about, oh, 1996 or 98 or something like and that. And did you immediately kind of get uh, hooked on it, or was it a gradual process? Well, it, it took a long time to – it was a gradual process. And, and the reason is I went out and did uh, gambling, and sometimes the casino would give you 10 bucks just for coming and, and having supper there, and I'd take my $10 home with me. But uh, there came a time – uh, when I was, they use an acronym, HALT, Hungry, Angry, Lonely, Tired. And I uh, played some bingo with a friend, and then we won, and we went to the casino, and we won. And that's when I really would say I was hooked as a uh, early win is often a sign of Yeah, and was your game of choice always slots, or did you play multiple games? Um, it was slots and, to a much lesser degree, bingo uh, mostly for the social aspect of the bingo sitting there and whatnot, but slots machine slot machines have always been my 
number one. I don't like being evaluated by another person, let's say, at a blackjack table or a poker table. Right. And they say, ooh, you shouldn't have taken that hit. I don't like that. I like to be all by myself at a slot machine. And just yeah, well, on. listen, blackjack uh, yeah. lends itself to that more than any other game. Why'd you hit? Why'd you stay? You yeah, ruined you, my hand. You cost me money. You know, yeah. which is why I always played alone. You know, had nobody, <laughs> nobody to blame but myself. But I remember I was at the um, – MGM Grand in Las Vegas many, many years ago before I ever had uh, a problem. And I was sitting at a $25 uh, table, and it was one of those five, you know, four of the guys at the table. And I'll never forget, it was one of those rare hands where the guy that was last, uh, he had kings and he split his kings. Oh. And it, it absolutely resulted in everybody losing when if he didn't split the kings, everybody would have won. And I'll never forget, I was actually on my honeymoon and the guy sitting next to me got up calmly, didn't say a word, walked over, and punched the guy right in the face. Wow. And I was like, whoa, what are we doing? Yeah, so, Dan, let me bring you in here. Uh, you know, he brought up something interesting. We've talked a lot on the show about, for a lot of gamblers, that, you know, the first foray into gambling, you know, was either as a child or beyond that, you know, the first time money was on the table uh, there was a quick win, and then you kind of chase that win the way a drug addict might chase their first high. But he brought up bingo, and the reason I wanted to get into that with you, Dan, is that most of us view a place of worship as a safe place. Yep. And bingo has been a part of the church-going experience for people for you know a century, if not more. And it's interesting that the first GA meeting I ever went into was in a church. Yep. And yet, for a lot of people, the church represented bingo, which then led them to a bad place. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because we, we hear that early experience, and gambling is so normalized in our culture. It really is. It, it's just accepted across the board through society. You know, before uh, PASPA was repealed in 2018, and uh, which, which paved the way for each state to authorize and legalize and regulate sports gambling, you would see illegal forms of sports betting going on all around, especially around big tournament times, right? NCAA boxes, brackets, Super Bowl boxes, whatever it might be. So gambling has always historically been a, a fun time. It's socially acceptable. What's the harm? It's a great way to raise money. You know, the church is one of them. Schools do it a lot, too, Craig. You have kids. I have kids. One of the ways sports teams raise money is through Super Bowl boxes, through March Madness brackets. So we do see this, but, but you make a good, interesting point. If the church is seen as a safe haven, a place of worship, a place of higher power, uh, seen as a safe haven, we have to be careful as gambling expands to make sure that the faith-based communities are also understanding what their role is in promoting a gambling-type activity whether it's bingo, whether it's some other type of game of chance that's legalized or not, and auctions, tricky trades, everything stimulates the reward section of the brain. Right. And that's Absolutely. the tricky part. It's the dopamine. So, Steve, uh, let me ask you a question. How quickly after you started playing uh, slots in casinos did it become a problem for you? Well, uh, it became a problem because I, I wasn't employed, and you go out and you win, or I was part-time employed, and you keep your gambling, your winning in one pocket and your uh, bill paying money in the other pocket. And pretty soon both pockets are empty and you're borrowing money and bouncing checks and starting bad credit cards. And it didn't take long at all once we started running uh, to get hooked. And what was your, your bottom of the barrel moment? What made you decide one day all those years ago to get help? Was it just 
on the kind of seat of your pants financially? Did you get in trouble with the law? Did uh, you know, walk me through, if you don't mind, you know, what the bottom of the barrel moment was for you? Oh, well, sure. Um, I had uh, uh, a closed checking account, but I still had uh, many check blanks left. And they were my greatest asset. A closed account was my greatest asset. I was I was buying myself meals in the restaurant, and I was uh, gambling on money from a closed account. And as long as the people would keep on taking those checks, uh, I would keep on writing them. And uh, you know, we don't think about consequences as a as a gambler as long as we can keep playing. And I eventually had a forgery. I uh, I pried open a mailbox and got a check out of my neighbor's mail. <laughs> endorsed it to myself and cashed it <laughs> and stood before the judge and pled guilty for forgery. Yeah, that's that was my low moment. And did you uh, have to spend any time away, or what was the result of that? No, that one was restitution. But, Got it. Uh, it would have been. It would have been if there had been any further offenses, probably. So that was the moment. Did you? That was it. Uh, you go to court. You're ordered to pay restitution, and you made a commitment to uh, never gamble again. Or was it a process for you? It was a process. Um, the there were so many garnishments on my wage at my employer that I just had nothing left. Uh, you know, each, each payday, and I said, "This is just foolish. This is sickening." And I had had an exposure to Gamblers Anonymous, but I didn't stick to the program. But when I when I came back, then then it was to stay. So I had been in, and I had even stayed absent once once upon a time for three years. And then went back out for I would say six years, and uh, and then now we're talking recent history. It's about fifteen years ago or so, except for the uh, the uh, gaming experience. Sure. One of you talked about the the big butt. I think it was Dan that mentioned the big butt. <laughs> I, I, I did hmm. gambling on October first, but besides that, it was about fifteen years. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Talking to Steve in North Dakota, and of course Dan Trelaro. Uh, we I like to bring up mental health on this show because too many people shy away from the conversation. As you were kind of you know going through it, and you know, you wind up in front of a judge and you have to own up to forgery, et cetera. How is your mental health from a depression standpoint, uh, desire to live standpoint? Uh, what was it like for you? Well, I tell you what, uh, I have I have a positive mental attitude and I always have had. I don't think mm. uh, depression, clinically or otherwise, has ever been a problem. But you do you deal with shame and you see yourself kind of from a third party's perspective. You say, "Hey, I don't like that guy that I'm seeing. That's not the real me, and this doesn't feel good." Um, so I would I wouldn't say that clinically I was depressed, but certainly uh, situationally, you know, you're at a low point and there's shame involved. And uh, uh, there's an opportunity for a better lifestyle out there, and uh, go for it. Well, I want to continue so, your story well, in just one second. Sick and tired is a good way to put it. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I want to continue your story in just one second. It's Hello, My Name is Craig here on WFAN. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Okay, welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you. Uh, we have Steve from North Dakota and, of course, Dan Trelara from Epic Risk Management. Steve, uh, walk me through how great life is, not just financially for you now, but just overall that you have not wagered in uh, eight years plus and what it's like for you uh, filling the void uh, from all the time you used to spend playing uh, slots. Well, that's a great question, and I tell you what, 
the longer I stayed committed to my program, and I, it's a 12-step program. I'm not sure whether you refer to it on your show or not. but You know, and, you know I'll uh, tell you what we do. It's a fair question. You know, uh, I mm-hmm. try to stay agnostic towards recovery because I don't believe it's a one-size-fits-all kind of scenario. Right, right. And I know that for a lot of people, GA is the answer, and it becomes the gospel for them. But I never want people to think that's the only way to conquer Absolutely. the demons and, and conquer the addiction. So whatever works for you works for you, and we're happy to talk that's about right. it. And it says in the program, our primary purpose is to stop gambling and help others do the same, and it doesn't say they have to use my, my way of doing it, but it worked well for me, and the longer I stayed in it, the more I bought into the idea of it. And uh, my greatest uh, pleasure now is when there are newcomers that call me on the hotline or come to their first meeting, uh, ask me perhaps to be their sponsor, uh, and then I'd be able to assist uh, newcomers to, to stop gambling and uh, mm-hmm. spread the word like I am right now. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. There's a, a gentleman that I was asked to reach out to a few months ago, uh, you know, mutual friend type of thing. And I reached out and uh, talked to him, you know, every week for a while. And he was doing great. Unfortunately, he did slip and he gambled again. And I was talking to uh, his brother yesterday. And I guess he uh, he went to find a new rehab center that he thought would help him. And, and I made the point to his brother. I said, you know, the sad part about this addiction, and uh, by no means am I an expert on any other addiction, but I think at this point I'm a bit of an expert, uh, at least on gambling addiction, through my own experiences and doing this show with Dan for, you know, well over uh, almost two years now. Yes, uh, and that is that it doesn't matter what center you go to, it's on you. You yeah, know, the, yeah. the, the therapy center, the rehab center, they're not going to, you know, break you of the habit of gambling, you have to want to break it first. And I don't care what rehab center you go to, if you're not willing to stop gambling, there's not a rehab center in the world that's going to help you stop gambling, at least in my opinion. right. You have to be honest with yourself. Uh, So a person wants to stop gambling, but they show up at a bar and have three beers and then go for the pull tabs and then play some blackjack. Just how sincere are they about their program? Right, exactly. (laughs) And I I do think there are people that want to stop they just can or they're not willing to do what it takes to stop. I think there's a lot of people like that, too. That's yeah, right. I think there are, too. I think it's the, that decision-making piece. And, you know, going back to the program, it, it, sometimes it, it's not about just stopping gambling. It's about that desire and the willingness, right? We talk about that a lot. It's, it's having that burning desire to stop because life has become unmanageable um, and, and having the willingness being willing to be honest and open with yourself and with others. And it's a process. Some people have, it's a, it's a whole new way of thinking and living and, and they need some guidance. And that's why sponsorship just really matters. Yeah. Listen, support. we've all met a lot of people, whether it's gambling, whether it's drinking, whether it's drugs who, yeah, they pay lip service to it. I wish yep. I could live without it and they want to live without it, but yep. you know, that's why it's an addiction. It's so powerful that that's even right. the men and women that want to stop and live without it, uh, it's not a character flaw. It's not, you know, they're not necessarily lying to anybody. It's just that the pull of the addiction is that strong. That's all. That's right. We're proud and we're independent when we want to do it ourselves. And it's, it's really hard to ask for help. Well, so before I let yeah. you go, Steve, let me uh, let you do what I think you're probably going to do very well here since you uh, do uh, counsel others um, and you do sponsor others. For that man or woman that's listening to the show, that is at step one. And the walls are caving in, and life does seem unmanageable, and they can't imagine tomorrow with a smile on their face. Uh, what do you say to people that are at the very beginning of the journey that you, Dan, and myself have fortunately gotten through for a number of years? Keep coming back. Be honest. 
take 10 minutes at a time. Uh, there's others that have experienced what you're experiencing. Uh, I'm sitting here grinning from ear to ear as you, as you speak to me, and uh, it's worth it. Well, listen, I appreciate you being a part of the show. I've never been to North Dakota, but if I ever get out there, I'm coming to see you, okay? Uh, You better. (laughs) (laughs) I will. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it very much. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you both. You got it. Be good. You know, Dan, before we get out of here, I do want to bring up one other thing. I uh, I spoke to a high school kid today on a Zoom call, and he asked me a lot about gambling, and he asked me, you know, my thoughts on young people gambling. And I said, you know, it's one of my biggest fears because – you, know, you guys aren't mature enough yet to be responsible when it comes to gambling, to handle money and finances and, and not get caught up in the emotion of gambling. And we had the same problem as adults. You know, in yep. my 50s, I had the same problem, or late 40s at least had the same problem. And I'm wondering, as you travel the country, how many kids legitimately come to you to ask for guidance and what are the signs, what should I avoid, what are the pratfalls? as opposed to kids that come to your seminar, hear what you say, and walk out the door with everything and twice about it. It's interesting. I think there's more individuals and teens that struggle than will come up to us and talk about it. We are noticing college kids, teenagers, you know, 17 to 21, uh, that will come up afterwards and say, yeah, you know what, I have a friend, or yeah, this has been a problem for me or my family or what have you. Just so many stories and one-offs. But there's more out there than what will come up. And what's interesting is this past week, uh, Good Morning America did a piece on teenagers and gambling. And I think it was really important. And the, the, my big takeaway was the fact that you have 18 to 21-year-olds betting on sports, and they're not seeing the negatives through advertising. Advertising was brought up a lot in that segment, Craig. And you and I have talked about advertising. And you know, more needs to be done. And, you know, we're, we're getting teenagers exposed because their brains are not fully developed. And the decision-making is the last piece that gets developed in your mid to late 20s. And so it, it makes perfect sense that they're going to take this risk. They're not going to fully understand the risks. And they're learning by trial and error and through fire. And some of them are getting really burned really bad. Well, and there's another aspect of it where not all of them, of course, but there's a good majority of kids between 18 and 21 who don't understand the value of a dollar because they haven't had real jobs. You know, they're in college, which and they should be, by the way. Um, you know, there's not a lot of kids that age that understand the value of the dollar, how hard it is, to, how hard it is to earn a dollar, and it's their parents that are covering for them or giving them a stipend to get through a semester. So they haven't lost their own money yet, and that is yeah. not that it's going to stop them. God, God knows it didn't stop me. But that is a part of this, too, where they don't know what they don't know. You're 100% right, and that's where the education becomes so important. You know, you know what was really impactful for me was when I stepped back and looked at my gambling, and I started putting it in terms of how many months of mortgage did I just bet on a particular hand sure. or a game. And for me, that was really hard to think through. That brought me to tears at times. In terms of, and, and that's the value of a dollar. Yeah, listen, I could have bought my house 50 times over with the amount of money I was gambling. Or I, And there were times, I remember a time, I was at a casino in Connecticut. And we, I was there to go uh, see a comedy show. And, of course, that to me meant I was going to gamble for five hours, right? And yep. there was a, a couple that we were friendly with that we invited to go to the comedy show. And, of course, because I was going to be me, 
and I was going to gamble, and I didn't like an audience, but there was no way to avoid them being there at some point of the night while I was gambling. I'll never forget hearing the woman in this couple say to her husband, he's got our mortgage on the table. That's wow. not right. And yeah. I heard it, and she didn't say it to me, but the fact that I was gambling the amounts I was gambling, and it was so you know out of whack, I'll never forget hearing this woman's voice say, he's got our mortgage on the table. That's messed up. And she was right. Yeah, that gives me chills because I think about that too. And when you look back now with clarity, right, we're, we're X number of years removed from the bet. Yeah. And you look back and say, what the hell? And it's just the, – the, the, I can't tell you how many $5,000 slices of pizza I had Yep. because, you know, you, you gamble all day, then you're not hungry because now your, your mind's turning. The last thing I ever want to do is eat, just wanted to gamble. And it's like, I'll just grab a quick slice of pizza. Well, it just cost me five grand. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good way. It's a very good way to put it, yeah. Early days, I'd leave money in the car for the McDonald's off the AC Expressway. Yes. So I knew I had enough money to get McDonald's. Uh, yep. And then there came a point where I didn't care if I got McDonald's on the way home. If there was a dollar in my car, I was going to get it to go back in the casino with it. So you, right. you and I could see there's many people in our spot who are blessed to have gotten to the other side and, and you know, tell stories all day and all night and laugh at some yep. of them, cry at others. But uh, yep. the perspective we have, I'm grateful for it because it means I have gotten to this other side. And uh, it's very important to me that I stay true to that. Yeah, I agree, and I'm grateful to be able to share that with you and, and just thankful to have you as a part of that journey as well. Well, we'll do it again next Saturday. That's for damn sure. That's Dan Trelaro, Epic Risk Management, coming up uh, in a few seconds. We'll get you over to Joe and Evan, and then, of course, Evan and I are back uh, Monday at 2 o'clock, and it's going to be Jets and Giants and a little World Series as well as New York is split. Are we rooting for the Phillies? Are we rooting for the Astros? And do the Jets and Giants take care of business tomorrow? Dan, see you next Saturday. Thank you as always, pal. Have a great one, Greg. And thank all of you for listening to Hello, My Name is Craig.